Joe, um, you, you, you used to be a, a, a professional streamer, right? Yep. Gaming. I would say. How annoying was the process of selecting a microphone when you first went out on that endeavor? Um, it was very annoying, but as we'll, you know, as you guys will see in this podcast, um, the Yeti made that very easy. Mm. But after that, after the honeymoon phase, <laughs> it was very difficult to, I guess, upgrade my my system to, you know, more studio quality-esque type of did stuff. You, did you know, like... All right, so obviously I have a, an understanding of microphones doing voiceover and stuff, but not every voice actor does, so let's not let's not get it twisted here. How much knowledge did you have about microphones and what each thing did in them? Um, like, what informed your choice to get that the Blue Yeti even? Oh, I had almost zero knowledge. Zero. Mm. The, uh, the decision was based, like, off of... I guess hearing other people say that it sounded good and mm -hmm. it looking cool, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, we talk about this is like the, the, they they just like the way that they did their branding with like yeah. the Yeti and the Snowball, and mm -hmm. there was another name too. There was another one that they had done, the Blue Bottle. Uh, no, Bottle Rocket. Well, no, that that is one of the blue microphones. Yeah. The Blue Bottle. There's like the blue. Uh, Spark. They kind of, but back then, you know, the Kiwi. They had all really cool names. Mm -hmm. um, but honestly, the Snowball and the Yeti were two things that was like, wait, that's a microphone. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I noticed with Blue and like all this, all these kind of microphones. It's like way less corporate. I don't know how I can explain it, but like the look and feel of the company yeah. just felt more like. Uh, you know, down-to-earth kind of vibes. No, it did, and I think that has a lot to do with the people who were making the stuff behind them. And exactly. we had the very privileged honor to interview Skipper Wise. I think I said that already. Did I? No, I don't think I did. But we interviewed Skipper Wise today. That's who we're about to talk to. Um, He founded Blue Microphones, eventually went on to selling Blue Microphones, founded Neat Microphones, and then wind up selling or working with Turtle Beach for our headsets here, these wonderful pieces of equipment. Joe's got these beautiful red ones on his head that we have been very graciously given to us by them. And uh, Turtle Beach was a company that I loved, and um, prior to even knowing anything about their, their acquiring of Neat. And Skipper has so much love for what he does. Um... It's easy to joke about that and yeah. to laugh at the idea, like you were saying, Joe. Um, he cares about the products he makes, and Neat is really a neat company. They've got, they've got, <laughs> they've got wonderful brand uh, uh, recognition or brand awareness too. Uh, their first microphone looked like a bumblebee. And that's all of their products are still in that that B uh, line. Um, we talk a lot about that. We also, wh what are some of the other things we talk about, Joe? We talk about kind of where they decided to approach the the the, the creation of their mics from. Um, we talk about if you're specifically interested in a specific avenue of audio, 
Which mic would be best, yeah. Which mic would be best for you based off your voice or your application. We talk about price points and differences in the quality. What makes a microphone more expensive or cheaper? Maybe there are certain things in certain microphones that are unnecessary for what you need. And yet they're all jam-packed into this very expensive microphone that is highly recommended. Um, yeah. Maybe that's something that that you're considering for your purchase. And we, we kind of break down what what goes into that. What goes into making that microphone and what makes it good enough for you. We really talked about a lot in a short period of time. Um, is there anything else I'm missing here that was a glaring kind of standout for you, Joe? That resonated with you in our convo. I mean, just how much knowledge the the dude has. Yeah. About it was just pretty awesome just to hear all that. He like also years had years of experience in one industry in like one hour. It was yeah. Crazy. Yeah, and and the 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 team that he wound up making blue with is the team that he works with He's still with yeah. to this day. I find that really inspiring. Um, it's not surprising. I... Look at the quality of the stuff still. You know. Look at yeah. It's the quality is there. The love is there. Um, there's a lot to learn. A lot to learn in this podcast. If you're interested in anything audio, take take some some copious notes on this one. Um, it was fun. So yeah, stick around. Great. We're going to be talking with Skipper Wise today. He had some of the best hair in the business. If you, if, if you want to look up a, a, an older photo of him, I'm, I'm jealous of his hair glam that he had. Um, stick around <laughs> for a lot of fun here, y'all. The Points of Experience Podcast. Skipper! Hey, Paul. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us today. I, I actually I adore your background. Uh, everything, not just the the mural or the the poster board that's going on there, but everything else. Is that a, a is that a vintage uh, microphone and radio back there? And then is that a yeah. lava lamp? Yeah, there's a there's more than that. One of them is a mic that we made called the Widget A. The uh-huh. other thing is a fascinating story. It's a Feta Bullet, designed by a guy named Paul Fuller. And remember hmm. that name because we'll have a conversation about Paul Fuller, who was a fascinating guy in the late 30s that did a lot of the deco designs and stuff from that period, which was a big influence in our lives. And the other thing that's behind me is a circus billboard that's 16 feet by 14 feet from the Barnum and Bailey Circus. You can see little monkeys in the background. Yeah. And the guy that drew this was a gentleman named Lawson Wood. This is dated 1943. I wow. found this at a swap meet while being on the road with in those days with my jazz group windows and had it linen mounted. And, and I have a room that's pretty big that it's mounted in right now. And Lawson Wood wound up doing all the New Yorker magazine covers. He was, became kind of famous for that. But it looked everybody familiar. starts somewhere, don't, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> that is very, very true. Very true. Uh, well, everybody, welcome uh, Skipper Wise, uh, a musician, songwriter, entrepreneur, you might know him as one of the founders of Blue Microphones, uh, going on to then create Neat Microphones, and I believe your title working with Turtle Beach, the gaming peripheral audio company, is the vice president, am I correct? Founder, my gosh. You've done so much in uh, involved in the audio um entertainment industry that I, I'm really excited to have you on. For those of you who cannot tell already, myself and Joe 
are using some neat microphones right now, and we're going to be going through actually um, hearing the differences between them and, and talking about, um, obviously, the inception of this company and all the stuff, the great stuff they do. But I wanted you all to get to know Skipper a little bit. So what we do on this podcast is we kind of go through your early history to get to know you, where you came from, why you're doing what you're doing, and all that stuff, because we try to be a educational resource for anybody looking to pursue a career in... Um, the nerdy parts of the entertainment industry and I think obviously microphone um, <laughs> manufacturing and design and creation as well as singing and songwriting they, those things go hand in hand uh, with what I do which is voiceover and uh, streaming podcasting gaming so it's a uh, really kind of fun for us to dive deep on all this stuff so my first question would be is where did you grow up and how did you get into your love of music um, becoming a singer and songwriter and where did all that love start for you as a child well i grew up in los angeles and you know um i was born in 57 so it gives you an idea but i was out of the house early at 16. Mm. Um, but in those days you could live in the nice parts of los angeles for 125 dollars in a one-bedroom apartment and this would be let's say westwood which i lived in at one point those apartments today are probably four or five thousand bucks for a one-bedroom Easily. And the cost of living was easier back then. So if you had a gig and I was a bass player and I was in a lot of house bands and stuff around town at clubs and you made money in those days. Not a lot, but if you made $50 a night uh, and you played a few nights a week, your rent was paid in one week and then you had money left over to live on and to go study with, with private teachers and things like that. And the beauty of the other thing that was going on in those days there was lots of little record labels because you were in Hollywood. LA, mm -hmm. Hollywood, everything's there, right? So um, as I went through the whole realm of playing the clubs in LA and pop stuff and things like that, and you know, playing the Troubadour, the Whiskey, and the Starwood, and uh, all those clubs. We had Gazzari's back then, which became the Key Club, I believe. And um, you, we eventually had little side projects, and one of them was a little jazz group that we did. It was kind of, they called it Fusion, which was guys with guns and stuff. You know, you'd play really fast and show off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, we wound up getting a record deal. So at, in those days, you know, to go into a big studio was too expensive for a little deal, so you had to buy equipment and figure out how to record. So from getting from point A to point B, and remember that, that's the key to all this, whether we live today or we live back then. You're trying to go, all right, I have, I have something I need to accomplish, and B is the end of it. It's the equal sign. Mm -hmm. So in those days, figuring out gear and how to record inexpensively was paramount to what we were doing, and microphones became an important part of it. We didn't have samplers in those days. We didn't have samples, loops, any of the stuff that we have available today. So you had to play the stuff and get it recorded. And the biggest problem that we faced, especially in the jazz arena, was that Jazz was sold into the fine arts, and the fine arts was only 4% of the retail pie. All the pop hits were 96%, right? So <laughs> the label said, your record's got to sound really good because we got to sell them to the audiophile community. We're getting an extra amount of sales by doing that. So finding good microphones, finding out how to record in that process, point A to point B, became paramount in terms of being successful with what we were doing. And that played all the way out into um, a format that became what they called smooth jazz out here in LA. We had a station that started in 1986 called The Wave. 
Mm. And KMET went up there, which is the big rock station, and the wave went on. And I was fortunate enough to be involved with them doing all their jingles and understanding the kind of music they needed. So we started shifting what we were doing in terms of writing and recording with this group that I have that I fronted. And all of a sudden, we started having number one records in this format. So as you get more successful, you get more money to make records. <laughs> the more money you get, you get to buy more gear. <laughs> oh, we, I know. I used to collect microphones. And during that time, when I wound up on a label called Cypress A&M, uh, A&M was a record label owned by Herb Alpert and Jerry Moss. Uh, they distributed this audiophile label. Um, I wound up doing a vocal record and having a pop hit in Europe on this label. So I went to Europe and the first thing I started looking for were the old expensive tube mics, you know, that you could find cheaper there than you could here. The old German mics like Neumann or Telefunken or AKG. Mm -hmm. I met a gentleman named Martin Salzperens and um, he was a gentleman that could take these microphones and, and update them so they were quiet, so they'd work in the modern recording environment. And during this period of time when we were having our you know, you work, what, 20 years to have a good five years of success. That's <laughs> sort of what we were in our middle of. Um, people wanted to know how we were, you know, how do you get these sounds? How does everything sound so present, so wonderful? And um, it all started to just basically roll into us eventually building a mic that we shared with our friends and other people that were using my recording studio at the time where all these microphones were at. And we started to realize we're onto something here. Um, there's something unique about what we're doing that people like, and it was different. It was not what was being manufactured at that time. Mm. And let me, um, I'll give you a quick little, this is a good bit of information. I was around when you did vinyl, right? So a lot of these things were records I did. Sure. Then all of a sudden we switched over to CDs. We went to the digital content. When you did a record, you were limited in bandwidth. You couldn't get a lot of bottom end out of a record. Otherwise, the level would have to be too low and you'd hear surface noise when your stylus or needle was in the record. Mm -hmm. uh, if you had too much top end, the lathe that would cut that record that make those masters so you can squish some vinyl in and get a, an LP would spit. So you had to really just detail about mid-range and be careful. It was a real balance. How much top and how much bottom can you get out of an LP? Mm -hmm. um, when CDs came in, it was how much do you need? How much bottom you want to put in, how much top end? It didn't matter. There was, you, mm -hmm. weren't, you weren't playing with a stylus in an analog area anymore. So all of a sudden, people are taking microphones that are designed to record in mid-range for LPs, yeah. and they're adding lots of bass, and lots of treble, and you're adding phase, and it loses presence it doesn't have that unique sound like when i'm talking here right into the mic mm. and we were fascinated with trying to figure out how to create or modify the product so that they had all that top and bottom and that larger than you know life sound that you look for out of your voice that musicians look for out of their instruments and by doing it within the capsule that's in the mic we discovered a secret we found that capsules were like songs. If you have a bad song and great musicians, it's just bad music recorded well. Mm -hmm. But if you have a great song and great musicians, now you have a hit. Same thing with the mic. Good capsule, good electronics, bingo. You have a hit. You have something that's unique.
So let me ask that, you really quickly. Uh, sorry to interrupt you. That's um, okay. Because I think a, a very big question before I forget it that comes up a lot of times is when you're when you're looking at differences between microphones is that capsule. What are the things? specifically with capsules that will separate them from another capsule what makes a good capsule a good capsule and what makes a bad capsule a bad capsule or different well think of the film okay so imagine you have something that looks like a quarter right it's got a bunch of holes drilled in it we actually call that a backplate it's a little bit more complicated than that but sure I'm trying to make it simple right then you have a spacer and some film that goes on that right so when the film sees uh, your voice or an instrument or any kind of sound, it creates a voltage, and that voltage is then amplified through your electronics and out to a preamp or whatever you're using, you know. Um, the film looks like saran wrap. It's called mylar. Mm -hmm. And then to get it to have a metal property, you do a thing called sputtering. So we have our own ideas of what type, how we sputter our film, you know, what films we choose, the distance between the film and the back plate is important because it makes the capsule less sensitive and more sensitive. How you stretch the film changes the tone. And tone is something that is that's embedded into you. You have an opinion of sound, just like you look like Paul and I look like Skipper. Um, you have a voice that's unique. So you're looking for something in your head creatively that reproduces what emotionally you're trying to get out to your audience. We've had a lot of experience with that as being artists. So we sort of put our opinions into this to create a capsule that has what we call a unique tone. Mm -hmm. um, I'll give you a quick story. I was back when Blue first started and uh, we were first on a panel of very high-end microphone companies at a show. Uh, somebody asked from, a, uh, the moderator asked this company, I don't want to mention names, um, <laughs> what is an attribute about your mic? And he said, well, if we have a Stradivarius, we could record it accurately. Our mics are flat, they're technical gems. And there you go, a Stradivarius is the way to do it. Unlike the guys over here, Blue, who changed the timber. They, you know, they're, they're changing the sound. Just like a photographer, we always felt that, you know, photographers will change film, you know, aperture settings and all that stuff to make, have a larger than life thing, which mm -hmm. we felt was an emotional process. It's technical, but it's also an emotional element added in. Mm. So he, I was asked, what's your response? I said, raise your hand in the audience if you own a Stradivarius. No hands went up. I said, who owns an acoustic guitar? <laughs> hands went up. I said, well, you know what? Acoustic guitars have a certain inf information, especially the small bodies of your finger picking. We can bring out the top end of your fingers. If you have a large dreadnought, we, can, we have a mic that will pick up the picking and the, the bottom end and, you know, we were thinking about what's going on in the world today. Sure. You know, and I, it, so Stradivariuses are wonderful. And I said, if somebody owns one, I, but we don't have a mic that does that, but you know, you would probably go over there. But the truth is we were more interested in, in our generation and what was happening, what was happening in the street. How are people recording their voice like you are? How are people writing songs, recording them and sharing them with others? And we found that there was a tone, a tonality in a driving um, amount of information needed that our microphones were designed to pick up and reproduce. Mm. You know, it's 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 so powerful what you just said in terms of making products uh, for for what's going on in the world today. Who are the people who are recording things? What are they recording? How are they recording? What are the things that are valuable to them? We are in an age where sound is 
is so important to not just musicians anymore. It's for so many different artists. It's it's for content creators. It's for video game streamers. It's for voice actors. It's the list goes on and on and on. Even people who are simply working in a, a typical uh, work uh, or nine to five work environment setting. Now that we have to do Zoom, making sure you can communicate your information easily into the most clear, punctual way possible over potentially spotty internet sometimes, you know? How can we be the most effective communicators and uh, produce the best quality? So I found so interesting about you and kind of some of the things you were saying even just now. What are what are the differences now? Obviously, we talked about the capsule a little bit. When you're creating a microphone, obviously your voice has a certain um, sound to it, a tone to it, and obviously various instruments do as well. What are the things that go into creating a microphone that's either universally great for all of those things or specifically good for one thing versus another, a certain instrument or certain sound? Um, one experience and failing. <laughs> if you don't fail, you don't, you don't learn anything. Um, you know, when you were talking about the music career, I spent a long time with that. I'd done about 15 albums with three different things, and I was on this label called JVC, and... I had just run into a brick wall and, and because we were starting to create the mics and there was something unique about writing a song. You have, you know, you have an idea here, you turn it into something tangible, you share. The, the mics were the same thing and we were finding that we were, I was finding that with working with Martins, who's still with us today at Need, I've been with him for 35 years. Um, there's a, there was a way of solving problems. So we felt, for example, um, Female voices are, are different most of the time. Uh, they're a higher register than a male voice. So if you have something that's picking up the bottom in a male voice, you know, it's gonna that that frequency is gonna get missed if the female voice is up higher. You know, so we're talking like I had a bass singer in a group called Take Six that was singing on on, on some albums that we did mm -hmm. named Vinny. And Vinny's voice would go down to like 60, 70 cycles. I mean, this big punchy thing. But then again, Ronnie Martin, who was on Motown, who was singing on a record of ours, had a higher voice. And if I'd use the same mic, it would make her voice sound thin. So Martin's came up with a way of creating a capsule that we could tune on the fly. And what we were doing is we were starting to figure out by tuning, you know, and listening, going, oh, that sounds good on her voice. And then we'd have to figure out how to measure it so that we could start building a log mm -hmm. information. So that experience taught us that when we first started with Blue, we were making application-specific mics. We were making mics that um, what's good on a female voice, what's good on an acoustic guitar would be great for bass or a bass vocal or a male voice. And, you know, trying to find their sweet spots. And it's hard because everybody's different, but there is a general, a, a general type of frequency that you can sort of say, nine out of 10 are gonna be here. Sure. And so over the years of doing this, um, you know, we did this for so long with Blue. I think I was there for 18 years before we sold it. Wow. And um, what we what we sort of felt is that, okay, we've made a lot of a lot of colors. Like imagine a painter, you know, he wants to make a landscape. He's got all his primary colors, right? Reds, mm -hmm. blues, and all that stuff. We were taking the reds and the whites and mixing a little bit to get kind of a mauve or a pink. And you know, we were changing, we we're trying to figure out how to get out of the, the hard primaries of what people have always done yeah. and, 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 and create timbers. We started honing it down to what we felt was a general purpose. 
In other words, what Mike, how can we get this down and get the cost to a point where people can afford to start using this stuff? Because the blue stuff, for example, when we first started our first bottle mic, which had eight different interchangeable capsules, it was 10,000 bucks. You know, so, you know, it's not your average person that can go spend that on this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we, when we sold blue, we wound up going to Gibson because we had an, an invite there to create a microphone company for them. And the idea for us, for Martin and the team that came along with us was how can we kind of take all this stuff and still it down into an affordable price point and into a smaller group of products. And um, that was going well until Gibson experienced some problems Mm. and we wound up acquiring the company back and, and then partnering with Turtle Beach where we are today, which we'll talk about. But there's a reason for us doing what we're doing today. Uh, we, we're not interested in going on a greatest hits tour. <laughs> we're interested in creating new hits. Ah. And the idea that we could take a product like the King Bee, which used to be a $2,000 microphone for us over at Blue in the old days, and, and have it affordable at $169, we just felt that we could take all that experience, put this at a price point that we sound better than our competition at that price point by magnitudes. Yeah. And I'm comfortable. I mean, go on the internet. People are reviewing our stuff going, how is this happening? How are they doing this? But then again, you know, if I always say that if you took Sting out of the police and he's singing Roxanne, it still sounds like Roxanne. He's that (laughs) voice, right? Yeah. We're that team. We're not at our former company anymore. We're over here. And um, if you bought the Beatles trademark, you're not going to be John, Paul, and George. You're going to be the guy that owns the Beatles trademark. Yeah. And you'll do your thing. And it may be wonderful, but it's not going to be what they were. This team has stayed together for a long time. It's, it's a core microphone group that has a lot of experience. There's four of us, actually five of us. Uh, four of us that came from Blue and another gentleman that it was kind of our fifth Beatle was always around for us, David Angris, who's an incredible um, gentleman to have from an audio perspective, but to also understand our audience and how Absolutely. to help, help us get to where we are going. Um, and what we've been able to do is distill this down to, for example, the King Bee and the Worker Bee that you have in your studio right now mm-hmm. work together. The King Bee is this large sound and the Worker Bee frequency wise sits in the center. Got it right here. Yeah. And the, yeah. And, um, and in fact, Joe, if you want to bring up, let's, let's give them the audience a little bit of an idea of some of the stuff. Go to the picture of all the microphones. Can you bring that up? This is an example, not including all the new stuff that we're talking about right now that has been released. I mean, each one of these things is a lot of hard work. It's like an album. It takes a year to put this stuff out. <laughs> wow. And there's a lot of it there. <laughs> Including the one the, on the second row, um, down on the left-hand side, is a microphone that was the, the very first professional USB microphone to come out called the Snowball. The snowball. Oh, yeah. You used to see those things everywhere, and it's, it's funny how... I don't know if this was the intention at the time. It became one of the number one voiceover and like streaming microphones to use 
almost if by mistake in a way because there wasn't many other things available, especially from a USB perspective. No, um, the category was not developed. It was really a USB microphones were low fidelity products. Mm -hmm. And um, we had gotten a call from um, someone at Apple, one of the chief engineers there, and, a, and two guys from a thing called the iLife suite team. And they had purchased a company out of England, I think it was called eMagic, and they were using the digital uh, foundation for that for iMovie, GarageBand, Final Cut, and Logic. Mm. And they said, you know, we need a USB microphone that sounds good going into this. So we developed a circuit, sent it to them in an ice cream cone mic, and they said, it sounds great. What's it going to look like? And Ken um, Niles, who is our art director, who's used to do my album covers. He's been a close friend of mine since the 80s. Um, we play softball every Monday night. And Ken said, you know, we had to make a mic out of a softball and we measured a four inch round deadly softball and that's what the snowball really was. Uh, I actually had a question for you because I before, you know, obviously now I'm not really uh, doing streaming or anything like that anymore, but how big of an impact did the Yeti have on the company it was like it time. was life-changing i know it came out right because it came out in i think 20 no we designed it we were working on it in 2008 it actually came out in 2009 yeah but it was slow okay. so yeah when i was when i was growing up i would be in like micro center and like you know trying to become like a streamer and like I would see everyone just say, oh, get the Yeti. It's great. It sounds awesome. It's the best streaming, you know, like audio equipment out there. And I remember buying it, bringing it home and just being like, wow. You're playing with the big dogs now. <laughs> well, but you know what yeah. was interesting about that? We, we hadn't really, the snowball was a strange um, process for us because uh, Steve Jobs had one on his desk, but the Apple store did not want to put it in there. And we had bet a lot. <laughs> as a little company as we were in those days in, into this mic. And I wound up working uh, with a group of people in Austin, Texas through Apple Education and Janet over there who wound up marrying Steve Wozniak <laughs> and, and another woman named Diane. Diana helped us um, crack this with, with the education department. And then as kids and people began to ask for the product, it started. then it went into the Apple store and took off. But that gave us um, the ability to be able to have revenue to be able to create the Yeti. And the Yeti was really a different mic for us because it had three capsules in it, three of the capsules that were in the um, Snowball. And we set them up in a configuration that was not, oh, what engineers would say is proper. Hmm. But what we found out of the configuration of the capsules is you could put musicians in front of it and it created this big stereo image. And you could put the singer in the front his or her voice would be up center. And then the artist on the side would be, you know, kind of wide giving a stereo effect. So it almost sounded like a production. Mm. And then people started using the mic for podcasting as it started building up. And then our company got very big <laughs> and my partners decided it was time to sell it, uh, <laughs> which wasn't the happiest thing for me. But at the same time, that's what I signed up for. Sure. I mean, I, I, I did well with it and I was very happy. But then I also knew I had an opportunity to Gibson to go and do the next step. Yeah. So what what was the 
kind of uh, before we I want to get into kind of more n- neat nitty gritty stuff as well but before we kind of move on to that while we're talking on the subject of USB microphones for a while especially from a voiceover perspective as a voice actor I speak on this uh there was kind of a a shunned look or approach to the idea of, oh, you're using a USB microphone rather than a microphone that's powered by phantom power through uh, an XLR cable into an interface or um, a preamp. What to you is, in today's age, the difference in terms of quality, especially from a creating standpoint when you have various USB products, what, if any, is the difference you see between these two types of microphones? In the old days, because USB microphones sounded so bad, they didn't sound anything better than the laptop microphone that you had that came with your computer, they got a bad reputation. Yeah. But nobody thought about the capsule work, and they were using capsules that didn't deliver fidelity. Remember the bad song analogy? Yeah. So it didn't matter that the USB circuit was capable of reproducing good audio. They didn't have, They didn't start with a good capsule. So... Um, we knew sound from being more of a high-end company. So we were the first ones to start looking at it and going, how do we get, you know, actually, to be honest with you, my partner Martin has discovered this really early on. And I was, I was shocked when I realized we could hook up really good capsules to this circuit. And I said, this thing sounds good. I thought <laughs> USB stuff sounded bad, right? You know, yes. I had that same thing, right? And so we were fighting an uphill battle. When we'd, when we'd mentioned USB, people went, oh. <laughs> but as it started to build and it started to create revenue for us, other people went, oh, let's do it too. It's a me too kind of world, mm-hmm. which isn't, look, I, I always say that um, you walk in a room, I walk in a room, we know who each other are. It's the same thing when you write a song or, or you have a voice the way it is. We wanted to create products that had a uniqueness to it in the shapes, the way they look. We wanted to take art and engineering and fuse it. That's what we call lifestyle products. Yeah. So we have a lot of artistic background in terms of things that we like that we throw into our designs. Because obviously you look at this stuff, it doesn't look like anything out there, does it? Yes. <laughs> I mean, we are kind of, this is who we are. Yeah. Um, so with the USB stuff, we felt that if we could create an image for the products, it would help draw people to give it a chance. Mm. That's where the snowball. We couldn't get the, the the trademark for softball. We got snowball because Ken came up rebirth of the cool, which led us to things like the Yeti. Yeah, because it's a snow creature, right? And um, and when we when we kept talking about music and about in those days before podcasting was too big, we started getting a lot of people who are realizing oh, these guys get the musical landscape of what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, because people, you know, are good musicians, but they don't know how to record. It's a little, it's a lot easier now. But back then, if you go back in the early 2000s and stuff, a lot of the digital stuff was just starting to become inexpensive. Like GarageBand was revolutionary mm. because in those days you had to spend 40 grand for a Pro Tools rig, right? Yep. So, you know, as we started getting people into the realizing, God, I can afford this. Gosh, I can go into GarageBand with a Yeti. I can record stereo. I can do all, all of this. And it started opening up creative stuff. I mean, look at rap. I mean, rap was, uh, uh, people started working with records and creating beats and all this stuff with the cheapest rhythm machines and stuff because it's what was available for them, Mm. you know, financially. 
you know, um, for any of the artists from that time. People, you know, started out working with inexpensive stuff and they, they found a whole vibe, right? And that, that crossed over into all types of different types of music, from acoustic music when we had the big folk thing going back mm-hmm. and all this stuff because people all of a sudden could start figuring out how to record inexpensively and ah. create art. And podcasts are the same way. I mean, can you imagine, you know, 30 years ago, you doing what you're doing now and being able to reach this many people, oh, the avenues you have now through streaming? Not even just that, the, the, the financial uh, capabilities that you, you that you did not have. I it's mean, a whole new model. It is. You know, that's right. And, um, you know, when we started, everything was more about audio. There wasn't a visual aspect to it. So audio and listening and creating an image was a very important part of my career, important part of us developing microphones and learning what works and what doesn't. And believe me, we made lots of mistakes. Mm. And in fact, one of the, uh, our, the CEO of Turtle Beach, who we adore, <laughs> um, asked um, while we were getting together at one point, what is the one thing that's important about you guys? I go, we know what not to do. and i don't say that with a lot of pride it's you know believing in something and it not working you know is 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 hard on you emotionally but it teaches you what to do right and and you know over the years you become you and 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 paul and joe that's all part of life you know the older you get the more you have this opinion and and that's important you know that's what makes the world go round. So we, we have formed an opinion of sound and, and how to help people get from point A to point B. Remember I said yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. And, and the idea is, it, you know, there's a lot to it from, an, from a uh, technical standpoint, but there's a lot to it from a sonic standpoint. Mm. And we grew up with audio. Today, you deal with visual. You deal with um, so much more. And, and the way, and people looking and, and listening are, is a way that you make a living. These are click-throughs. These are people buying your your um, art that you create. They buy it on the internet. They buy it through all types of different ways, different formats than what it was when I grew up, mm. where people went to a, a store, like a record store, like a Tower Records. A what? An LP. A what? <laughs> Thank God for Amoeba out here in LA. Uh-huh, yeah, the very few that remain. Yeah. But, you know, it's... I think it's important to understand the past. Mm. Um, I think that um, what we do today and what's available to us today is astounding. It's how you fuse those together. You know, just like art and electronics for lifestyle products, but knowledge, the past, understanding the foundations, how people figured this out. It's the same process today. Yeah. It's what you're doing. And it's funny too, in, 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 in all forms of art, you see people through clothing, trying to, you know, through vintage clothing, thrift stores, trying to bring back old clothes. Also in the microphone world, you see people who are desperately trying to get that sound from vintage microphones. They like that for whatever the thing that they're they're, uh, trying to create is. It even happens in certain tube preamps. The amount of times I've heard people say, I really love the Avalon 737 sound. I really like, you know, and we're talking, we're going back to tube when so many, you can now with, a lot of the technology you can digitally create the effects whether through the software that's available today or there's certain microphones that can emulate the sound of other microphones right yet there's something still you can tell about the uniqueness of certain vintage qualities you know some people mm-hmm. can say they can hear the difference between the vintage versus the emulation 
So I think there's a, a, a place to learn from, from all of the old and whatever way we decide to, to reincorporate that into the stuff that we use and create with today. And that's, and that's what you are talking into now. It's, it's, it's years of experience. It, um, for us to, it's, it's the thing that made us so excited about um, having Turtle Beach behind us um, was that we actually now, not only can we create a product at a price point to reach a lot of people, and that's the score. You know, that's, that's what we're looking for. That's what we're looking to score on is, yeah. hey, everybody, check it out. Be part of what we're doing. Uh, Turtle Beach allows us that platform. We don't have to worry about so many things that smaller companies do. Um, and we're at a point in our career right now, um, we're really interested in getting this all out. It's kind of like, you know, let, this has been a culmination for this whole group. And that mic is a marvel to us. We're so proud of it. It is actually a really, really, really impressive microphone. And I don't say, I've worked with a lot of companies before. I, as I've told you, I've worked with, I, in my closet, I've got probably 50 microphones. You know, every company sure. you can imagine, Rode, Audio-Technica, CAD, Samson. I've got a Sennheiser 416, the TLM1. I've got, you know, from a voiceover artist perspective, I've used many. And the thing I'm most interested in is finding the most organic, raw, um, unfiltered version of my voice that makes it also sound good, uninhibited by background noise, um, any of the things that would intrude upon a good sound. And this is one of those microphones that does this. I wrote an article for Backstage on five microphones uh, in 2019 or 2020 on five microphones under $300. And if this microphone was around then, or even if I had my hands on uh, on a King B, because I believe that yeah. was around back at the time, this would have absolutely made the list in terms of your bang for your buck. And I'm sitting here, this is a, I typically use an AKG C414XL2 and a thousand dollar microphone. That's typically what I use. And this is doing just as good of a job on my oh, voice. My so it is very, very impressive. And I don't say that um, the, just because I'm sitting here talking to you. I, I you know, I Well, have, there's some key elements in it too. And I'll, you know, I, if you look at your, the 414, and again, I want to be very respectful. All these, the one thing about being a musician, you know, I, we weren't competitive with one another. Everybody played on everybody's records, our whole circle or clique of people that all hung out and everybody wanted to see everybody do well. Our industry is a little bit different. You know, people, you, you, I'm very respectful of those other companies. I used all their products growing up and they were part of my life. And I, and, but a lot of those companies and the people that created those products are, are not there anymore. Yeah. And um, one of the things that your, that microphone that we mentioned earlier is they have a different approach. They have switches on the mic that do things like pad or a filter, right? For our, for our, visual yep. audience I want to show people because <clears throat> these are things that exist what he's talking about here pads and filters that change the so there's a switch you see that gold thing in the center that's the capsule yep right and in between the amplifier that goes out there are a bunch of switches so what I find and what our team has discovered over the years of doing everything we've done is that speed creates presence Mm. As if someone is right there talking to you. And that speed can get interrupted by switches in between mm. that capsule and the amplifier. 
these capsules are really sensitive and there's very little output from it. So the quicker it gets there, the quicker it gets to your ear and it feels like somebody's speaking right next to your ear, it's present. So if you look at your King Bee, there's no switches on the mic. Yeah. It's so beautiful. I think I think a lot of people, and trust me, uh, this is a good microphone, costs over $1,000. But yes. I think people, a lot of people think more expensive means better. But you're, all of these things is I'm, is what you're paying for. And if you're doing a certain application that doesn't need these, why pay for it? Well, it's a choice. And, you know, again, it has a different timber. Um, ours, the King Bee, we consider to be, it's our opinion of what this, a mic that can do a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and it's up to the customer to make that decision. Um, you know, that mic that you're pointed has been around for years. It was an incredibly successful mic. And in fact, David, who is part of our group at NEAT, the fifth Beatles, and ran that company for a while. Sure. <laughs> I use those mics a lot. You know, um, I have I have a lot of respect for other people that create this stuff. So I wouldn't want to say anything negative about it. However, that mic was designed a long time ago. Yeah. Oh, do we have something special for you points of experience listeners? We've teamed up with neat microphones to give away these three mics. The King B2, the Worker B2, and the Bumblebee 2, which is USB. It's super easy to enter. All you have to do is write us an honest review on Apple Podcasts, and then you're going to link that review into a tweet thread that we're going to post after this episode. You'll know which one it is. The only other rules is that you must be based in the United States of America, and you must be following us and Neat Microphones. Good luck to you all, and I hope you enjoy. Um, today, what we're doing and what you're doing, in fact, you weren't born when that mic was designed. What year was this designed? <laughs> let's see. Well, let's see. Um, they had a mic called the C12 that was out, I believe, in the 50s and the 30s or 40s. Okay, yeah, I wasn't around. 50, all right. right. <laughs> then they had the C12A, and then they had the C12 and the C12A. Then the C414 probably came out, I'm guessing, in the mid to 67, 68. I'm guessing. I was around. I no. mean, <laughs> yeah, but somewhere in that area. Um, but the mic is still made today. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Um, and that's cool. Yeah. You know? Um, I'm again, like I say, I'm very respectful of these companies. And in fact, I have friends that work there So no, uh, and, and they're great people. I, I think there's a lot of, uh, great companies doing a lot of cool things, but what I find really interesting about your company, which is different than most of these companies is that they're not, they're not relying on name branding or a product that's been around for generations to kind of continue to be the the front runner of their market it's there's not a lot of uh revolutionary um creation manufacturing being done to reduce those price points and make these things accessible to yeah. the, the modern consumer who is is trying to create a myriad of different things not everybody is producing a studio album not you, you know what i mean and even if you are i don't that necessarily think you need to be paying you know, $3,000 for a microphone, depending upon what your goals are. And to have microphones like this that are available are is so important. And to continue to have that quality, because like I said earlier, people keep thinking more expensive means better. Not to say that with more money, you can't do certain things. And maybe that's something we'll talk about is if there's plans for a different model that will have a bigger price point, what the differences would be in those features. But a microphone like this to do everything it can for this price, it's unheard of. It's in, yeah, that, it's unheard of. 
Yeah, that's our goal. I mean, it's the, it's the it's the one reason we're doing this right now because it's like we've never been able to do this. It's hard work. It's a it's a lot of hard work understanding just to how to get the shapes of the products to look unique, the packaging, the marketing, everything about it. I mean, if you go back to the early days when we first started creating products, everybody had a number like that microphone you just showed us, right? It's got a number. Well, we were creating things that had a shape. For example, if a mic was blue, it would be called the blueberry. If a mic would look like a mouse, it would be called the mouse. And we were creating <laughs> shapes and doing all this stuff because we figured it's hard enough for people to remember all these numbers if they know a mic um, is called the Kiwi, wow, there's that green mic over, oh, that must be it, right? Yeah. Well, that's how we did it back then. Today, um, with, the, with our very first generation of neat mics, as you remember, the original King B had all the yellow stripes and the stuff, Absolutely. same thing. But that's our thing. That's what we do. And if you think about it, I don't know a company like us or a group like us that created a company, that, what we've done with Neat and what we did with our past company, um, that's out there that's still together as a team. Mm. I mean, this is a real band. You know, we've, we, we know each other well enough that when we go in to do this stuff, again, everybody puts their best information and experience forward to create something that's at 169 bucks. It's like this. Yeah. That's, that was the reason for doing this. Otherwise there's no reason to just replicate something we've already done before. We don't want to rest off you know, our past successes. It's kind of silly. Yeah, absolutely. So where, just quick fun lore stuff before we kind of get into a little bit more nitty gritty here. Where did mm -hmm. the idea for the B or uh, the, the, the B overarching theme around your microphones come from? What was the, the, the passion behind that to create microphones under, you know, we got the the bumblebee, like you said, the the king bee, all these various different bees, and like the 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 first king bee had that yellow look. Why? Why yeah, the bee? I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm color scheme. I have it set up here. Actually, I have one set up in the corner. Oh, the original one looked there like you go. this. Yep, that's the one right. I remember. Now, the reason this was like this originally was because when we went to Gibson, they had a pro audio group and. They owned several brands, and one of them was a company, a speaker company called KRK, which I believe they still own. Mm. And if you remember the KRK um, speakers, I don't know, Joe, if you want to pull one up, they had yellow woofers. So it was these black and yellow type of um, of, of look. And and they asked us, <laughs> what were you gonna, what are you gonna create? What what are you thinking? You know, if you come to Gibson, what would you do? And I first thing I thought about is that. Well, let's see, microphones and speakers. Microphones are in, speakers are out. Yeah. Salt and pepper. No matter what you do, if you're cooking chicken, you're cooking vegetables, you're still taking salt and pepper. You need these things. Yeah. So they need to go hand to hand, hence yellow and black. <laughs> well, what is this thing? Uh -huh. Well, this is the truth. Just like Ken said, hey, we ought to make a mic out of a softball, which became the snowball. Well. I was watching Saturday Night Live and they were showing some repeats of John Belushi dressed as the King Bee or the, the in the bee outfit. And I thought, no. <laughs> <laughs> and we thought, okay, can we get away with the stripes? <laughs> and we did. It was a little polarizing, just like when Blue first came out was polarizing, but it started to take off. More important, importantly, was that at the price point, 
these initial mics were at $349 when they came out. Mm -hmm. And this to us was the marvel. You know, we were again trying to figure out how can we make a general purpose mic that just blows everything away that's at a price point that was inexpensive. And $349 was a real big price breaker in, back in 2013 and 14 mm -hmm. when this came out. But um, when we got over to Turtle Beach, you know, our, our some of our ideas had changed. We didn't have KRK to deal with anymore at Gibson. And we felt that looking at the Turtle Beach brand, we needed to be a little bit more contemporary. Mm -hmm. And thus the the black mic was, this is the first black mic we've ever really done like this, all black like this. It really makes the neat logo pop too. Absolutely. It's got the same pop filter. Um, if I get this thing off, this is one of the prototypes I have. Ah, okay. So it may be glued on. No, it wasn't, okay. Um, so the difference being that, as you can see, it's got the shape and the shock mounts a lot more tapered into the mic. Mm -hmm. This guy was all very loud. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, so we went for much more of a contemporary vibe and then the ability to be able to bring the price point in half yeah. was the big thing for us. And once we got there, once we realized we could build this, we realized we were onto something. Mm. And hence all the other products, the Worker Bee, the Bumblebee, which is, you know, the USB version of our Worker Bee. Which is this what Joe's really using, cool. yep. Yeah, I mean, it's got a 25 millimeter capsule in it. It's the same capsule as you're listening to this. It's, it's, there you go. it's unbelievable. In the Yeti and in the Snowball, we used to use the 14 millimeter capsules, much smaller. Uh -huh. And yep, there's the box, the Bumblebee. The Bumblebee. So it's got this tone. The bigger the capsule, the better the bottom end we're going to get out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and the way we tune the capsules to get it to have a certain sound. So in terms of these microphones, let's talk about these three that we have right in front of us. For who would you recommend each one of these microphones for? Price point aside, because that's obviously an, a deciding factor. Do you want to spend $100 or near $200? That's a decision some people are making this for. But what, for, for, for what person would you recommend each one of these microphones for? If you're a musician, I would recommend the Worker Bee and the King Bee. They were designed as a, to give you the ability to be able to carve holes. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you cut um, on a King Bee, let's say you're playing acoustic guitar, it's gonna have a wide frequency, a lot of top and a lot of bottom, and there's gonna be a hole in the center a little bit, mm -hmm. which gives you that big sound. And if you cut your vocal with the Worker Bee, it's gonna be detailed in the mids, so it's gonna fit right in. Mm. So the key thing for us is to, we're trying to avoid people having to over-process. You know, if you over-process, you lose speed. You lose speed, you lose presence. You lose presence, you lose emotion. You lose that sound that people go, I sound larger than life. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of the approach is, we think about how people can work. So the worker bee and the king bee for a musician, I think, are just the way to go. Yeah. If you're a voiceover guy, um, male, I would recommend the king bee. It's going to bring the bottom end up. It sounds great on you. Thank you. But you sound good in general, but the king bee helps too. Yeah. No, for sure. It help, helps. Nah, it's all the king bee. <laughs> nah, the king bee. I knew that was coming, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> and the worker bee, let's say you have a higher voice or... Maybe I would suggest for a female, the worker bee, because it's gonna have a, the frequency and the bottoms shifted up a little bit, and it's gonna bring out some of the bottom end in a female voice. Um, things like musician, musicians, if you're a flute player, you're playing flute, the worker bee is gonna, you don't need that extra bottom, it's gonna help detail the mids. 
it's going to sound great. If you're playing a small bodied acoustic guitar like this thing, this is a little little acoustic guitar, and if you're just going, if you're a, if, you know, if you just wanted to get the guitar to, to, to cut through on a small bodied guitar, this capsule that's in the, the worker bee or the bumblebee would be perfect. Mm. Um, so, you know, everything's like, we're trying to figure out how we can, you know, as a, as a company, as designers, try to make sure we can make a smaller group of mics so people don't have to invest so much so they can cover all the bases. Mm. So, um, you know, you think about what you're doing. If you're, if you're a drummer, you know, and you want to put a couple mics back, you know, and get a live feel, pair of king bees are going to sound great. Mm -hmm. If you really want to spruce it up and you got a mixer, put a couple worker bees for the overhead and then move the mics farther back, maybe one closer to the kick drum, maybe one over the kit, and then a couple over worker bees over the overheads. Wow, your, 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 your drums are starting to come alive, right? Yeah. So, you know, we have a lot of suggestions in the owner's manual of, of all these mics that say, this is our ideas, you know, for thoughts, of, you know, whatever you're playing this instrument, this will work well. Absolutely. I think, uh, uh, again, speaking on behalf of myself with voiceover, that's a conversation that everybody wants to know is it, it's almost less about uh, what the microphone does and more or less what are the what is the microphone people are using in the voiceover industry for for so long, there's been a certain number of mics that have just kind of been like, oh, that's the mic that's been traditionally used. So we want to recommend now that everybody's working remotely from home that people keep using that. I remember um, working on many projects that I didn't have these microphones, you know, namely like the U87, which is a $3,000 microphone at the time. Um, not having this microphone, recording projects from my closet working in Harlem. And because my studio was so well treated, They'd be like, right. "Wow, sounds really good." And it's like, uh, "What microphone are you recording on?" And I'd be like, "I don't know. This is like a, at the time it was like a hundred and fifty dollar mic. At that time, which is a lot different than one hundred fifty dollar mic That's is today." That's right. One hundred fifty dollar mics did not sound good back twenty years ago or ten years ago. <laughs> exactly, but it was the environment in which that I was creating for the sound, and so many people get hung up on. All right. Well, I want to. If I just keep spending, if I just spend a certain amount of money, that'll make me sound better. It's not always the no. case. It's always what are you doing with the microphone? Where is it positioned? What is your mic technique? All that stuff, and really having a, a, a microphone that's just going to be able to work with you, put it wherever you need to, to not have anything getting in your way, not having too many complicated things. That's important for me, especially now in this work from home age. I don't want to have to like consult a manual to know how I should start recording as a voiceover <laughs> actor. You yeah. know what I mean? And I remember very specifically the first time I get gotten real close contact with something and having to say, okay, all right, am I in cardioid? Am I in hypercardioid? Am I in a figure I, eight polar pattern? So I think having a microphone that like this, this is a cardioid microphone, is just really great for a lot of things that I would use it for. Making sure, especially video games, animation, where you have a little bit of movement, where uh, uh, you you want it to capture everything in front of you, and and to if you move a little bit off axis, it's still going to get you. Is a hypercardioid microphone something that you guys at Neat are considering making, or is it already in the works? Or how do you feel about the hypercardioid polar pattern? The polar pattern that you have with the King B was designed to be user friendly. It's that experience. How do we create a pattern that's gonna be what people go, that's what I'm looking for. Mm. And I really wanna point this out. Um, 
We, could, we don't have figure of eight in Omni on this because 90% of our customers don't use it. Mm -hmm. And I figure if the other 10% need that, they can go buy a product like what's behind you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, because 90% of the, I always felt that if you, if there's 10 people in a room and nine people like what you're doing and one person does, doesn't, well, that one person's right, but I'll take the nine. Because if you have popularity, yeah, you get to keep doing what you love over and over again because <laughs> it's working, right? Absolutely. So um, we, cardioid, it was, an, that means it's to everybody out there, it's picking up what's in front of you. Yeah. And it's rejecting if there's somebody over there, or your dog's barking over there, you're not going to hear it. Because it's only picking up what's front. It's canceling everything out in the sides, canceling what's out in the back. Um, what you're talking about with hypercardioid, you were talking about getting even, even tighter. We found just the right amount that people need. So if they have to move their head a little bit, it still sounds good. Uh huh. And again, experience, remember? Oh, yeah. So um, the one thing that we, we didn't want, we, we wanted not to have a lot of switches on the mic. And we didn't, because of the speed, we didn't want to have a lot of patterns on the mic because we found that nine out of 10 people wanted just the, the cardioid. And all this was in part of us being able to have extra building power, mm -hmm. financial power to build into this mic to make it sound incredible instead of putting all that money into a bunch of peripherals. Yeah. And I call it the remote control theory. People, people want to pick up a remote control and turn on their TV, channel change, mute, volume, right? Yep. But what do they do? They put a bazillion numbers on there so you can change you know you can set your dvr or your or, or or you can set you know your dvd player that nobody uses anymore to do things control other devices because hey look it does this this one doesn't you should buy this yeah so features to me are just it's sales hype yeah you know and so we really think about the most popular stuff that people need and we can't be everything to everybody but what we want to be is that nine out of 10. Uh-huh. Well, I think that's a great philosophy to kind of live by right now, especially where people are looking for things specifically in their field because there are so many right now, which makes me want to kind of move over into the your Turtle Beach uh, partnership that you have with Neat Microphones, and I have a couple of questions about that. What do you think... Or where do you think the industry is moving towards? Because obviously, you know, headsets like this, they have the capability of using this auxiliary microphone that plugs into uh, the headset. Mm -hmm. What in terms of creating microphones for you is the, is the direction you see things going? Is it still a space where people are going to want to continue using this external individual microphone or are people looking for the, the the headset microphone combination is there you know what is the quality loss we're experiencing if we're just using this type of microphone versus uh you know a microphone like the king b where where is turtle beach and and are, are you guys in terms of seeing the future of of gaming headsets well, it, it, it's, you know, this is, it takes time doing all this stuff. And, but I think, by the way, Turtle Beach owned, the, the, we're part of Turtle Beach. They own Neat. Okay. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's, it, yeah. it's not so much as that we're just partnering. We went to Turtle Beach and we're happy to be part we're of We're a part of the Beach. system. There you are. <laughs> we are. And, and it's actually really cool. Um, they, they really have allowed us to be the best of what we can be. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you know, there's all this chatter on the internet that, oh, now look what's going to happen to these guys. It's just the opposite. Uh -huh. <laughs> They're incredibly supportive and they take away a lot of administration stuff to make us so we can be creative and and, and make great mics. Um, think of the world as, you know, is like a big pizza and everything's a slice. You got podcasters, you have musicians, you have 
gamers, you have streamers, and you know, so everything, it, the, uh, the opinion of sound is so important that, you know, if, um, remember I mentioned about the Stradivarius? Yeah. I don't have any experience recording Stradivariuses. I'm not gonna make a mic, to, this team's not gonna make a mic to record Stradivariuses, yeah. but we do have a lot of experience with voice yeah. and podcasters. So, you know, um, there is a different sound for a voice outside of a condenser. You know, this is a condenser, which is gonna get a lot of top, a lot of bottom, a lot of air, but some people might want more of a darker sound, a more dynamic capsule type of sound. And there are products out in the marketplace, some that are very famous, that are very expensive that do that. Well, why not take the same philosophy of trying to do it better mm -hmm. at a lot cheaper price. Mm. That's the philosophy here. How can we take that experience, create a product that someone says, God, I, I don't have to spend $400 on, I can spend 169 and get that? Wow, I don't, you know. So we're there, we're doing it. You know, we're constantly designing. If we can't be creating and designing, we're not living. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's what we live for and what we do. So we're thinking right now, of course, the gaming stuff and the headsets, that's a whole different world. And, you know, information and cutting through audio while gaming is going on and things of that nature is different. You can, if there was a ton of bass, the, it, may not, it may not deliver and cut through, mm -hmm. you know, a crowded field. So how do you cut something without it being harsh? How, how do you get the clarity of something so that you can be heard? Mm -hmm. And that there's a lot of well, there's a lot of work that can be done there, and it's something that we're already looking at and figuring out. It's 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 a process, you know. We've only been at Turtle Beach now for a year and four months, and we've already put out three products or four products. We have the Skyline too. Uh huh. So um, and you know, think of a mic as an album. You guys know it. Take you know, putting an album a year is kind of hard work. <laughs> but I come from a generation when the Beatles and all those guys put albums every six months, and so. <laughs> we're already at four mics and we're going to be at more coming, you know, forward because so we're designing. What is what is the future looking like in terms of what you're creating for Neat and Turtle Beach? Uh, is there, is, I know you are very, you want to keep the product line small, but is there a different microphone that you have in the works or is there not necessarily a feature, but something you were exploring. I know you talk a lot about failing. Is there something you're trying to see if you can incorporate and to see how it works? No, we've actually already figured it out. <laughs> Great. Even There's going to be an offering in the broadcast area. Um, yeah, there is a... There is a mic that we designed back in 2009 that's still very popular, but... Um, being from the digital domain, I always say that would you use a laptop from 2009? No, things have changed. So how do we take that particular game and up it? And we have, and we have a product that we're very excited about. That's, you know, we, we can't put everything all out so quick. We got to slowly, slowly do it. Yeah. So that will be coming forward at some point, but I can't tell you much more about it. Um, fair. <laughs> and, um, and there are so much. There, there's more slices of the pie that we'd like to conquer. Mm. Um, and obviously having a company like Turtle Beach to, to who make the best gaming headsets there are. Absolutely. You know, um, and how can we um, partner and, and participate to help and, and contribute? Of course, that's something we want to do. 
um, who wouldn't want to, who would, it's like being a musician and you're in another band, but some other great band says, Hey, would you want to come and play? You want to come jam? Of course you do. Oh yeah. So when, 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 when to have an opportunity to be around Turtle Beach people is a pretty amazing thing. I think it's a fantastic, um, kind of mixing that you've created between the minds you have at NEAT and the minds at Turtle Beach for the age that we're about to be living in. I know gaming and all this stuff and podcasting is all relatively popular now, but I feel like we're just at the start of the just impact the start. Of, of how of how popular, how pop culture these things are going to be. Um, and <laughs> it's like, are we, gonna, are we about to enter into a world where we're about to have a headset with one of these attached to it? You know, I don't know if we're going there, but that's the quality that I think hopefully companies like Neat or Turtle Beach are going to be able to, to, to create in the future. And so that way, everything that you're doing, regardless of the field that you're creating content in, you can feel confident that at an affordable price, you're going to have the, the gear that can do that. And I think you guys have shown pretty damn well that you guys can do that at low price points. Oh, yeah. I mean, after all these years, um, you know, people are also changing and they're changing their game um, in terms of how they capture their voice or, or their instruments in the sense that, you know, a USB mic is one way of going about it, mm -hmm. but you are dealing with 30, 34 millimeter gold sputter capsule in front of you in that King B. Yeah. And that thing's pretty marvelous. And if you have an IO box like you probably do mm -hmm. so that you can turn on Phantom and, and drive that. And there's a lot of inexpensive IO boxes out there for a hundred bucks that are amazing that, you know, you all of a sudden you're hooked up now with a King B and that you've upped your audio. Yeah. I mean, it's like, and you're seeing people are, they're, they're now buying booms. They're doing what you're doing. I mean, you're doing it. You're <laughs> doing it. And, and that's, that's what's starting to happen. And, you know, you don't have to spend $3,000 on an old German mic, you know, that was from designed back in the, <laughs> in the sixties. Yeah. Um, you can spend 169 on a neat King Bay and know that you have a company like Neat and Turtle Beach behind us to have an incredible product and deliver a sound like you're getting right now. That's incredible. That's the fun part of it for me. It, it, it's exciting. Otherwise, what are you doing? You're pushing 10 otherwise. <laughs> uh, for real. And, and kudos to all of you. And for, for listeners, please, um, it, it, you're, you're very fortunate to be living at a time right now in whatever industry you're pursuing, if you need, if audio is a part of your workflow, because I promise you, I tell you, for at this price and even $100, microphones like this did not exist even a few years ago. This is a really magical time to be able to get a microphone for, like this for this price point. And, 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 I, and, I, and I say that, I, I give my testimony to it. I've, I've used so many microphones. I've used the competitors. This is a really great microphone. It does everything you want it to. I, I, I'm, I'm really extremely impressed. Um, Neatmike.com, that's where people should be buying these? Yep, NEATmike.com. Uh, neat Mike, N E A T M I C dot com. Easy. Easy peasy. And by the way, the other thing that across the board, you know, guys, everybody out there, just look at the team behind what you're buying. If it's a mic, if it's speakers, I mean, it's see if there's somebody that's passionate behind this that's living and breathing it. 
Mm. I mean, that tells you something. It also connects you to the product you're using, which is a personable thing. Your voice, your emotions, all that stuff is being captured, your talent, things you've worked hard at. If there's somebody who gets a kick out of that, I love hearing what people do today. The quality of musicianship, the quality of people you know, with their voice and their podcasts like you, like both you guys, I mean, this is exciting. And, and, it, and it's passionate for me, especially as, a, as being part of the team that designs this stuff. Oh, absolutely. I think that's the most important thing that you're not just buying into um, whether it's a name brand or a company that is is led to to, to squeeze out the, the the best profit that they can make. It, you may not see it this way, but it speaks volumes that the quality is at the price point that it is because you could be charging a lot more for a microphone like this and it be, could be competitive in those higher tiered brackets with those other microphones that people might compare this against. So it says a lot that the that you you're looking out for the consumer, that you're passionate about this and and, and all of these things, I think uh, being a musician yourself, coming from your background, it's it's really encouraging and comforting to know that we have people like you making microphones. Yeah, and remember, we did it. We made $10,000 products. We made $2,500, $3,000 microphones. I mean, it's not as if we're saying this sounds as good as that. We've done that. Yeah. We've done it. And the exciting thing is that we're doing it now at these price points. It's like, wow. <laughs> it's crazy. It is yeah. crazy. Uh, I would love to, to swing this over to Joe real quick. And uh, I believe we have an audience question for you today, Skipper. Um, take it away, my friend Joe. Yeah. So uh, Josh M. from Queens, he uh -huh. says... Hi there, Skipper. Thanks for joining the show and all your work on microphones throughout the years. In the universe of voiceover, if the goal is to sound as much like yourself as possible in crafting mics, where do you think lies the negotiation of creating that raw, naked sound in addition to a sound that is pleasant to listen to on speakers or headphones? I give you an example. Um, there was a photographer named Norman Seif, famous photographer who would play around with film by saturating it, uh, letting more light in, creating effects that people would go, oh my gosh, look at that. You know, they were just emotionally taken by it. The film in a microphone capsule is analog. That means that when you talk into it, it's moving, it's picking up your voice, it's, it's capturing your voice and turning it into voltage and sending it out into the, to the electronics, to the world, to your public. Hmm. So we, like Norman, <laughs> have decided that we have found through our years what people consider to be, um, I'm going to use the word sexy, because that's what it is. Yeah. It's emotional, it's inviting, it's attractive, and we don't want to, we don't want to ruin what um, is you and your essence. We just want to help it get there in a way that people stop and they want to hear your voice and your content. And it's a great question. Um, we don't want to disturb what you're trying to say or ruin the tone and the natural beauty of who you are, but embellish it in a way that makes it receptive. Mm. Well said, and thank you, Couldn't Josh, for that better, question. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, this has been extremely informative. I'm so excited to... Uh, let people hear all of this information. If you, like I said, if you haven't checked out Neat Microphones, neatmic.com, uh, the 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 Bumblebee, the King Bee, 
They're all the available bee. there, the worker bee. Um, I think if you haven't gotten the information at this point on which one is probably best for you, then re-listen again because I think the information is there. Uh, <laughs> no matter what you're trying to do, musician, podcaster, gamer, uh, voiceover, whatever it might be, um, it's really, really uh, fascinating. Now, I'm excited to, to be living at a time, like I said before, where, where these yeah. type of products. And I can only imagine where we're going from here. It's kind of scary. to, to I got, It's kind of scary to think how much, like, because we're already at a point where things are getting so good and the price is, is extremely affordable. Um, like, where does it go next? <laughs> Where's the it next? Keeps, it Where's keeps the next going episode? forward and people yeah. keep pushing it and they're doing wonderful. The talent that's available today, the, the content, the world is changing. People are changing with it. It's all relative. It's what makes everything spin. Absolutely. Uh, Skipper, this has been an absolute treat. Thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, your expertise, and for staying with your friends, your homies from the blue days and continuing mm -hmm. to make really amazing products. I appreciate that. Thank, Thank you, you both. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Joe. Take care. Skipper Wise. That's his name. Number first of all, the name Skipper is absolutely phenomenal. I should have asked him if that's his actually his birth name, but um last name Wise, and that's exactly what he was. Bernard? The only thing I think of when I hear the name Bernard is that uh, the elf from uh, the Santa Claus. Yeah, Bernard. <laughs> Skipper Wise, my gosh. Uh, if, if you're if you're just figuring this this out now, he he founded Blue Microphones, one of the the most popular microphone companies, and has been absolutely crushing it with this new endeavor, Neat Microphones, which is the microphones that we're working with right here. And really such a nice guy. Um, he's got so much um, knowledge and history behind him. And, and, and I think the thing he was saying at the end of our conversation, which was, you know, trust the team behind things and the people, you know, the who, who is making this stuff? Are they passionate about the products they're putting out? That is mo so important. Um, do they care about whatever they're they're putting out there? Do they care about the consumers? Are they making things that are beneficial to you? Um, and for me in voiceover, I yeah, with love. What I want to do right now is I want to switch over really quickly. Give me a moment here. I'm gonna switch my microphone to my second input. Now we're gonna make sure that this works. Okay, line two. All right, should have line two going. Oh, no, wait. I can't change devices while recording. All right. So hang on. I'm going to cut, and we're going to re-go in because I want to make sure we're going into uh second thing. So I'm going to cut real quick. So everybody, I wanted to give you guys a good practical sense of the difference in sound between the King Bee that we were recording with earlier versus the Worker Bee, which is the microphone I'm recording with right here. And I have recorded this into Adobe Audition, so you're going to be hearing the raw file. Um, I'll also try and uh, make the raw audio of this as well as maybe like a clip of my raw audio from the original so you can hear the difference between the two microphones and in their full integrity um, because I think that's an important thing to hear, to not be compressed by, you know, every single thing, every export that we have to go through. 
But what did you think, Joe? Do you, I mean, you you're you're using the um, the 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 USB version of their microphone right now, which yes. is the Bumblebee, Bumblebee, correct? I love it. And it's 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 really cool. You know, I I have tons of USB microphones. We talked a lot about the Snowball, the Yeti, all those things, and they're all so freaking noisy. Yeah. The background noise is so yeah. noisy, and I really think that that has a good self noise that that microphone. Yeah, no, I I mean, I can like, I don't know if you're hearing that, but I'm like banging on the desk, and I don't think anything came through. No, I mean we hear the bang, but it doesn't disrupt the the sound. But True. I'm even talking yeah. like the, the 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 like air conditioner noise or just room tone in general. It's such a good yeah. microphone, and like I was saying earlier, I've recommended so many of these microphones. I would have recommended this uh, microphone before. All right, I'm gonna give you guys actually a little. A little honest sneak peek here behind the scenes. I think I reached out to, or tried to reach out to somebody to try to get a tester because I was so broke at the time when I was writing the article for Backstage. I think I, requ- I, I think I tried to inquire with uh, Neat. Was it Neat at the time? Yeah, to try and get like a um, a tester product sent. And I had already written the article by the time I think somebody got back to me, or um, uh, uh, or or I didn't hear back. Whatever it was, regardless, I don't blame Skipper. Uh, but I, I think that <laughs> he I, hates us. The people from the people that I had um, heard things about the reviews I'd read online. Um, it's, it was a really great microphone, and uh, I think these are top quality. They're exceptional. Whatever you're going to try and use them for. Absolutely, I agree. What do you, what, what do you think? Are they gonna? Do you think that the next thing is just a headset that, like the AirPods, where it's gonna have a studio quality mic without even needing like one of these things? Is that it's like, gonna be like invisible towards? in like a hundred right? years? Right. Well, like... I I think we're gonna get like they're gonna figure out a way where it's gonna be noise canceling headphones without any of this. It's gonna be like a little pod you put in your ear. You push a button. It encapsulates over your whole ear, and there's a microphone that like. I don't know. Again, it's like a little dot here at the thing, and it somehow is is just as good. With I guess that's the thing. It's like these things don't have the same capsules, you know. So, right. But if they can make the same quality, if that's the direction they want to go, if they want to, you know, keep revolutionizing these, then cool. You I'm know what I'm thinking? It. Like, I'm, the older headsets and mics were like, you know how you can flip it up now, yeah, and like flips, it's yeah. totally like you know in tune. Yeah, my old like Xbox one was just like a cord with like a big bubble on the on the end, and like <laughs> you had to ju- like if it was here, you just had to deal with it. Like yeah, you, you couldn't flip it, you couldn't do anything, and that was no, what, they re- like ten years ago. They remind me of those old desk microphones. You remember like the Stone Age ones where they were just like sitting on your desk like this, right? Like that's yeah. what the, it was like yeah. that coming out of your ear. Yeah, and they they sounded terrible. Um. So cool, guys. That was a great guest. If you have questions for us, please email us, info at pointsofexperiencepodcast.com. Send in a video message, written message, whatever your heart desires, uh, and follow us on all the social media platforms. If I have to keep telling you this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope we get to a, a point in time where I don't even have to say that anymore because you guys are going to tell everybody to do that. And you're already following, so it's, you know. I'm sure you've done things that take two seconds that were a lot more annoying than clicking the follow button. Yeah. Just look at it like that. It's pretty easy. It's all the same handle, except for TikTok. Um, But, yeah, check us out. Review us. Is that a thing? Can people review podcasts? 
Yeah. Just go outside your house and shout it to like everyone you see. Yeah, if your heart that desires. That can count as a review. Yeah, but if you can review, I don't know, do that or write a comment in the comments below. Let us know what you think. If there's more things you want us to do, uh, help us like Skipper was telling us. I don't know if this was post-interview, uh, to define our way so people can start saying, you know, I want to make a podcast like Points of Experience. You know? Cue the aww sound. Uh. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for hanging out, and uh, until the next time, much love. Hey, voice actors, just wanted to take a quick second from this episode to let you know about an amazing opportunity we have for Points of Experience listeners. We've teamed up with Voice123.com to get you all 15% off their premium membership starting with the $3.95 tier. Now, they also offer a free membership where you can check it out and see what they're about. But with the paid memberships, you're going to get access to more auditions. You're going to get your auditions faster. You're going to get better support. You can upload more samples. All of that is going to be available with the paid memberships. I've used it before in my career, and I've curated my own client list that I've still worked with today. I started making money. It's also a great opportunity for you to take a portfolio of this paid work and present it to agents or managers and say, hey, look, I'm professional. I'm bookable. I've made money doing this, and here are the jobs that I did it on in TV, radio, commercial, video games, animation. They have it all at Voice123. So go to voice123.com slash plans slash POX, and you're going to get 15% off their paid memberships if you are a first-time premium package buyer or looking to upgrade into a higher tier that you've never purchased before. I promise you it's a great place to start working. So check it out and start booking today. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to Points of Experience. Don't forget the giveaways that Paul mentioned. This episode was hosted by Paul Castro Jr., engineered by Joe Scully, edited by Keith Neku Lawson, produced by Samit Dirk, and brought to you by Neat Microphones and Turtle Beach. Thank <laughs> you.